Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. everybody to the new edu podcast i am here with wade of course hello everybody welcome back to a fantastic week well that was a good i know i tried a little little harder that time and then we've got our good friend (laughs) back with us shivy brooks everybody we're here we're excited to have him back here with us he's been part of our quarantine pod for long time yeah since like yeah april (laughs) like god it feels like a minute now And so if you listen to our first episode together, we talked all about our relationship, how we established the connection and the work that we do together. But I do, before we get into our conversation today, because they know it's going to be a good one, I just want to give you a second, because in case they missed that first episode Mm. with all three of us, which they need to go back and catch, Mm -hmm. um, just give a quick introduction of yourself. Uh, Yeah, I mean, my name is Chevy Brooks. I'm a uh, Atlanta educator. Uh, I teach economics at a high school in Clayton County, Georgia. You know, we have uh, our own IG live show called Teacher Talk Live, and we work together to do the Be About It conference, and really has been like a revolutionary and game changer uh, in the teacher community. I still see the effects of the work that we've begun, like vibrating through the teacher community, mm-hmm. and it's just a it's a beautiful thing to see. And to continue to work with you guys for me is like everything because it shows folks that it's not performative, it's not uh, we didn't do it just for the clicks or the likes or to get folks on this conference. Like this is real. This is authentic work you know we hang out together we eat together we you know kids hang out together good and to the zoo that's part that part christian going crazy <laughs> yeah i need to make that whole christian needs his own highlight on my instagram <laughs> account actually from him and mav's trip to the zoo yeah. around halloween it, which is actually you know first of all thank you for just such yeah. kind words but also exactly how this episode came to be we were actually sitting at breakfast yeah. one morning and we were we get together and even before this episode started we were talking about all the things and I, I had to stop them I said we're like a we're like a pinball machine because uh-huh. we go on yeah. so many different topics but yeah. that is the beauty of this relationship and just Wade and I feel so fortunate that we yes. can talk so freely with you and just learn from you and learn with you too we're and so you, um, that's kind of how this episode came to be and if you missed our first episode we, we dug a little bit into talking about race and how race affects our students every single day and how the work is ours as white people. But today we want to talk about something that we began in our breakfast conversation the other mm-hmm. day about when is the right time to not just talk about race, but to engage in the conversation about right, race. Right. I think that's a different piece of it. And so as we started having these conversations, I recognized that the things that you were describing and saying about white women specifically, I'm like, and that's how I feel. I was like, we should talk about this. We should talk about this because obviously, you know, if I'm feeling this way, others are as well. And so hopefully they'll be able to learn right along with me in this conversation. So I want you just to kind of share what started this conversation with the three of us at breakfast and kind of we'll we'll kind of dig in that Mm -hmm. way. You know, I was sharing with you guys like a little uh, social experiment that I was doing, right? So I had noticed that on my page, like engagement started nosediving. And so 
almost like folks had uh, race fatigue. You know, a lot of the the our white friends that were posting the black boxes were like all in mm-hmm. for doing the work. And then eventually it was kind of like, all right, I'm tired of talking about this. So anytime I would make posts about, you know, something dealing with social justice or race or things like that, I would notice a, a lull in engagement. Mm. But when I started, I, I came up with an idea. I said, you know what? I'm going to post for one week straight and I'm only going to talk about teacher pay. I'm only going to talk about economics. I'm not going to bring race right. into it at all. And we all know you can't really divorce the two. Mm-hmm. But man, let me tell you, when I started talking about teacher pay and not talking about race, my engagement shot through the mm-hmm. roof. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember thousands, I thousands of comments. Thousands of comments, thousands of new followers, mm-hmm. um, the rate of growth, the rate of engagement exploded. Yeah. It was like there were there were white educators who I had never seen before, never heard before, never uh, they were not commenting. They may be worth following, maybe not, yeah. but they were quiet. And then all of a sudden they had everything to say. Mm. And then, you know, I looked at the analytics, I looked at the numbers, and I shared them. And I told I told yeah. folks, listen, y'all did this on purpose mm. because I knew it would work. And it spoke a lot to a lot of black educators that don't talk about race right. and why they don't talk about race. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, sometimes, well, a lot of the time it makes people disengage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one thing, just as both of you guys were talking earlier and on your point of that, I think a lot of times like when you're in the beginning of this journey of growth, and learning out loud and messing up. One thing that, that we often hear is for white people is you don't need to talk as much. You need to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happened, and I don't know because I'm not those people, mm-hmm. uh, but I can say that I think they got comfortable with listening and not having the conversation. And so now, now maybe they're, they're at chapter two. Yeah. And they're fearful as to where they feel more confident about talking about things that relate to them specifically, mm-hmm. even though they, they can have a conversation about race, mm-hmm. they're just not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. encouraging them to be able to have that those conversations is is vital. It's vital to, to the growth, to to understand and again, if you if you started posting those things at the beginning, you knew you were gonna be wrong at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. So you were brave then. But now you think that you've learned some things. Why are you not brave now? Well, and, and let's be clear. Like, my audience is predominantly educators, just as you guys' right. audience is, right? They also understand gradual release, mm-hmm. all right? So you sit, you listen, you learn, mm-hmm. okay? But then eventually you got to model. You got yeah, you to gotta start your independent mm-hmm. practice, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like how long are you going to sit back and listen? Right. You know, we hear all those folks who are like, say it louder for the people in the back. Yeah. Well, how about y'all start coming to the front? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's time for everyone to be engaged in the conversation. Yeah. There's only so much listening and learning you can do before you got to start getting up, walking, and doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have, you know, kind of what mm-hmm. I told you, and this is where Wade said, stop, we got to start. This is this is what we're talking about today. <laughs> but that this is just who we are. When we get together, we instantly, you know, just, just talk. start talking. Which, when you were talking about this, and I looked at you and I was like, well, that's me. Like mm-hmm. that's if anybody's going to com- if I'm going to comment on anybody's post, it's going to be yours because I know the background, the relationship that we have, the work that we've done together, right. everything that you've taught me. And even I still refrain from this. And as a matter of fact, speaking back to uh, when, June, when the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement came and, you know, Lanisha just posted not our good friend Lanisha just posted not too long ago that y'all were all about it during the Black Squares Matter. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah. 
those were the things that I'm like in my soul and in my mind. I'm like, yeah, like clap hands, praise hands. Mm -hmm. But then I go to comment. I go to engage. I go to interact or I think about things that you have posted and I immediately stop. And so this is where, you know, again, insight just from me personally that I'm hoping to learn and to grow during this episode. But I'm like, I don't want to do the clap hands like I've got it all figured out because I think that people assume like I could say, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolute to you. And I know that's what I feel. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if I have the clap hands and people are like, oh, look at that, you know, that white girl, she thinks she's got it all figured out. She thinks... And then, but then if I don't do it, I'm not speaking. And I don't want to, it wasn't to me Black Squares Matter at all. I mean, you know that better than anybody, again, because of the work that we've done together. But I just feel like when you are engaging in a community, Mm -hmm. I can engage with you individually. Mm -hmm. I can engage with Lanisha individually, Naomi. But when you start getting into the community, I don't know if I fear judgment. I don't know if I fear that people are going to get the wrong perception from what it is that I'm engaging with. I don't know. I think it's a little bit of all of that. I think this is where, for me, with my black community, we have to have a calling, right? Because the posture was like, yeah, we want white folks tapping in with our platforms, but don't come here and say nothing. Don't come sliding into DMs and whatnot, right? And there's a lot of emotional labor that that kind of comes with how white folks choose to engage in our platform. See, mm-hmm. a lot of times they try to come in and they want to ask questions. They want us to do legwork. They want mm-hmm. us to be Google. Yeah. We're not here to be your Google. Right. We're not here to do the emotional labor without compensation. We're not here right. uh, to to make it easy for you. Right. My thing is, if you really want to be an ally, then do the work. Yeah, Do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it takes effort and being intentional about doing the work. And I mean... Obviously, I think every human being, no matter if you're black or white, you you fear you, you fear judgment mm-hmm. at, at some degree. But again, it's and, and I knew it. I knew it at the beginning of, of the Black Squares Matter thing mm-hmm. that was going on. I I reminded myself. I was like, Wade, you can't let this be. Remember, like uh, vacation Bible school or church camp during the summertime, and you were all and like, oh my gosh, it's going to be awesome. And then a month later, two months later, three months, what happens? You oh, so, yeah. So Church start, camps, you got saved, baptized, redeemed, right. and then all of a sudden the school year starts. <laughs> and then starts, like three years start, and there it goes. Yeah. And I, 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 and I, so I was true, constantly though. reminding myself during this first month from that, yeah. I, we've got to be consistent. You, we've got to be consistent. And I, I, I want to challenge everybody out there who's listening right now. Remember what you promised yourself and remember what you promised your, your, your neighbors. Remember what you promised your friends Like during that time period. Are you staying consistent with what you promised? And if you're not, it's not okay, but it's not too late to jump back on it because we're, we're, we'll all mess up and we'll all, we all have things that are going on. We're teaching during a pandemic, y'all. It's a lot. It's a lot. But be reminded of what happened this past summer and how the United States pretty much came together to recognize that there is a group of humans that have been oppressed for, oh my gosh, since the dawn, before this was, this country was a nation. And we have made a stance to do something about it. Are we continuing to do that? Yeah. I mean, folks, again, and and we talked about this uh, even during B about it. The ability to kind of disengage from the conversation or step away is people Mm -hmm. using and advantaging 
their uh, uh, privilege, yeah, right? Exactly. So it's it's essentially really being comfortable stepping outside of that privilege. We have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We have to normalize that. And I got to be honest, listen, after the election, when we see 55% of white women voting for Trump, when we see things like that, that says a lot to mm-hmm. black America, mm-hmm. right? Because that lets us know, like, listen, you can't, you're basically saying it's okay to have a safe haven for racism. And that's what uh, his presence represents for the black America, right? It, yeah. it is, and I know for some people, look, it's uncomfortable to uh, to talk about the politics and things like that, but we're not even talking about Republicans or Democrats. Right. We're talking about something completely outside of our political norm. We're talking about something that, that really... It, it's, it's broken the heart of half of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half, literally half. Literally half, <laughs> literally half. And listen, I got white friends. I have white family. Mm-hmm. I got white family. My stepfather's a white man. Trump supporter lives in rural Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. right? It don't, it, don't, it don't get more real than that. Right. And still we have to reconcile, how can you love me as your black son, but then vote for someone who is against my existence? against seeing my humanity, who is okay with uh, allowing a safe haven for hatred. Right. You know, that that becomes, it, it's an emotional thing for us. It's beyond the pale of uh, politics. It's beyond the pale of R's and D's. Yeah, and, and I want to just hit on that, just that last thing that you just said. It's beyond the R's and D's. It's beyond Republican and Democrat and, and politics. And I think a lot of people, especially in our community of education, they they get caught up in individuals mm-hmm. and they get caught up in politics rather than the purpose behind those things. Mm-hmm. It's been conversations that Hope and I have had with plenty of people that, uh, that have come and messaged us or publicly or whatever it is. And I love that you said it's, hey, it's it's loving Trump or, or following Trump, that isn't, that, that's not Republican. No, right? No. George W. Bush, that's a Republican. Those are <laughs> a Republican idea, ideas and ideals. Imagine the day that you miss Bush. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you we see Bush with like Michelle Obama and we're like, right. yo, you could be at the cookout, yeah. my guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're not but, as bad as we thought you were. But but what, what what's different about and this is not a politics <laughs> podcast, but here we but teaching. I mean, that's that's what we're involved in all the time. But it, it's but also is political. it is, and people say it's not, but it, it definitely is because everything that that we pour into education stems back to systemic things and traditional things that we have been or that we have been told that we have to teach in a certain way. But also the people that control that the districts exactly. are elected. One hundred. Oh, I mean, there we on. go. But I mean, let's take it a step further. Because not only that, but the the students that we serve every day are directly affected by politics. A hundred percent. And if we are really focused on the well-being of every single child, we have to be educated. We have to be knowledgeable. We have to understand Mm -hmm. the policies that are put in place that directly affect them when they walk through every single step of life. And so, you know, because I've even been one to say, I mean, I'm not... A huge political guru. I don't understand all the ins and outs. I mean, I educate myself as best as as I possibly can. But that's also what I was going to say when you were talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. A lot of people want to. A lot of white people. Let me clarify. A lot of white people want to categorize that as politics because. 
as a privileged white person, then I can then step back and say, but I don't discuss politics. Right. That's why I dropped a shirt that said Black Lives Matter is not a political position. Right. Right. And I think people don't understand the difference between Black Lives Matter as a movement versus Black Lives Matter an organization. Fact. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not a part of Black Lives Matter any organization. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm in no way uh, married to that organization. But what the statement Black Lives Matter means, that means recognizing the humanity of black bodies in America. That is what we're talking about. It's about not being okay with seeing the the brutalization mm-hmm. and the over-policing and the over-criminalization of black bodies in America. That's what that stands for. It is not about all the rest of, of the nonsense that people try to marry it to so that they can easily just kind of say, ah, and cast it away and call it political or call it all these other things. And it's not that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to buy into something when it fits what you want to believe, yes. right? Or to use it for the way that you want to believe. Another conversation that we've had with a lot of people, and this goes back to just what we we're talking about with Republicans, Democrats, all of those things. It's as a human being, you, you have to know good morals, good ethics, who is a good person. Now, are there going to be policies that you don't agree with? Absolutely. If I'm a Republican, there's going to be policies that I'm not going to agree on with every Republican who's going to run for president. And the same thing if I'm a Democrat, independent, whatever it is. We can't, we, we, we can't make choices and decisions off of one policy. Yes. And as educators, obviously, we're going to push more for our kids and what's best for our kids and for our schools. And that's how we're focused. But shouldn't that be what everybody's focused on? In the community? Andre, I mean, look, I teach, a, I teach at a school that's 40% Latinx. Mm. You know, I can't tell you how many of my students lost their parents to being deported or lost their parents or like, you know, t- certain things are in their mind that the average American never think about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, you know, I have to miss school to drive my parents to this thing or that thing because my parents don't have papers. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, and, and for my kids, talk about who got papers or who doesn't have papers is all. It, that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been in the, that same position before where, I'm, where we're teaching about immigration or mm-hmm. we're, we're teaching about building the wall with current events. Mm-hmm. I am not going to stand up there and specifically speak to individuals who I know. I don't, I don't know if there's papers, if mm-hmm. they have them or like, I'm, we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. And that's for teachers. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a teacher, you do not understand the weight of everything an educator is going through pre-pandemic and now in a pandemic. And that's definitely like, oh my gosh, why should we have to think about the safety on that end for a kid and their family? Absolutely. Well, and I think that one of the big things that, you know, has been the big topic of conversation should have been decades ago, but here more recently specifically is, you know, students' social emotional health, right? Mm -hmm. And their mental health. Mm -hmm. And so any educator who says that Black Lives Matters is political and doesn't recognize how this directly affects the social emotional learning of of a black child sitting in their classroom, how are we able to serve them? Is it our goal just to go in and and educate, well, I can't help their circumstances. I can't help what they're going through. I'm never going to understand that. I'm a white woman. So what I've got to do is just go in and do what I know to do, which is teach. That's not truly serving our learners because we've talked many times that you've got to reach the heart before you can reach the mind. But if you're not even trying to see where their heart is, where their heart is coming from, what their struggles are, how can you ever educate them? Well, and and honestly, we got the same issue of disengagement in the black community. Like, 
at predominantly black schools, there are a lot of black administrators that are self-preservationists. They're afraid to touch uh, Black Lives Matter as an issue. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to talk about social mm-hmm. justice as an issue. Mm-hmm. And they literally don't. Mm-hmm. Wow. They literally don't. And it's one of the saddest, saddest things to see. I saw one of my coworkers be told, yo, you got to take a, a Black Lives Matter banner off of your uh, teacher page. Wow. Like, why, why do you think that is? Self-preservation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these administrators finally get out of the rut of poor teacher pay. Right. And get that administrator pay. And they want to protect it at all costs. Mm-hmm. So the things that may be near and dear to their heart, the things that they know are correct, they don't want to touch it. Yeah. Out of out of preservation for their own uh, employment security. Mm-hmm. It's like that crabs in a bucket mentality, right? Man, come on. Well, I just want to put this out here as we continue this conversation because today, you know, that goes into what is it going to take for them to talk about race? What is it? What is going to be the thing? That gets them to talk about race. And so, you know, if you're listening today and you're feeling uncomfortable, please know that's a good thing. That that is what the three of us especially found this work on is that the three of us are always trying to get uncomfortable, always trying to put ourselves out there and learn more. And just ask yourself, if we were sitting here and talking about teacher pay and how you deserve to be paid more and you should be paid at a higher rate, would you still be listening? You'd probably be pulling off on the side of the road because you're amen and hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do you say it? <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Off the side of the road. Yeah. Would you still be invested in this conversation? What makes it different when we start talking about race? Right. And the thing is that you can't even you can't even divorce the two mm-hmm. because poverty and race are synonymous. Right. And what does this mean for right now during a pandemic? Because, you know, how does this play a role? You are still in the classroom every single day teaching during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. You're not in the classroom, but you're teaching virtually. Virtually, Um, We were having the discussion before we started the episode just of what does that look like? And specifically, you know, what does this look like in the black community? Because, again, we are a lot of times now that we're more confined to our homes. I think that white people are even more removed from this oh, conversation yeah. mm. uh, yes. mm. because we are sitting in our homes every day. We're not in the classrooms. We're not necessarily dealing with families, working mm. with families. You know, it, it, it's a different feel. It just is. It's yeah. a different feel. And so I think the fact that we are in our homes, which, you know, a lot of times might be a white community. Mm-hmm. It's who you're surrounded with every single day. Yeah, like right? Who's in your social bubble, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what is this, you know, we're, again, talking about when's the right time to talk about race? How does this impact, how does the pandemic, first of all, impact your teaching in your community? And what does this look like specifically in the Black community? It's tough. You know, we got 150 districts in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. My school district is fifth poorest yeah. in the state. So that comes with a lot of challenges with my students, whether it be uh, access to good internet whether it be access to good technology, you know, uh, the school scrapes up whatever, you know, Chromebooks and things they can get, but they don't have the best mic or the best uh, cameras on them. Students may be in environments that they don't feel proud to actually turn their camera on and let everybody see. The computers don't run well enough that they can put a virtual background for those who might say, oh, they can put a virtual. No, they can't. Yeah. (laughs) You got to have a certain kind of processing speed to get that that virtual background, right? So, you know, these kids ain't sitting at home with a MacBook Pro, you know. There's a lot of um, uh, limitations in that way. And I mean, hey, even some of my teacher colleagues, I've seen pulling up to outside of McDonald's 
trying to, to tap in on that Wi-Fi yeah. to get some internet going and, and things like that. I mean, that is tough. And there's fatigue. Like, listen, a lot of these kids didn't feel at home in schools when we were in person. Yeah. And so what makes you think they're going to feel even more at home now when we're on Zoom? Right. You're not having that personal interaction with them and you're not experiencing that every single day. You're not being able to share that energy with them and love on them and them love back on you. And it's it's very difficult. And I, I can't imagine, I bet, I bet there's probably at least five out of 10 educators out there who who have, who amen when you said how to pull up at a McDonald's or a Starbucks, yeah. because not just the teachers. That's it's, real. I mean, yeah. the students, it's the teachers too. Yes. Like yeah. that's a real issue, right? The teachers ain't rich. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> teachers ain't rich. They ain't out there uh, balling, you know, off of that teacher check right. at all. And especially if you work in a district that unfortunately has a, a lower per capita income, mm-hmm. right? We all know t- schools are funded based on local tax dollars right. and millage rates, yeah. right? Off of property taxes. Mm-hmm. So if you're <laughs> at per, per capita is 19500 Hundred, yeah, like it is in Clayton County, right? That comes with issues. That yeah. comes with underfunding. That comes with lack lack of access, which also affects the teacher compensation, mm-hmm. right? And so those teachers that work in those districts are getting the short end of the stick, and especially in terms of Metro Atlanta. Now they finally bumped us up a oh, little man. bit in Clayton yeah, County. Man. Yeah, but I mean, last year I made I made less than thirty seven thousand. Yeah, before taxes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we. I remember, like, we started out what yeah. thirty two. Yeah, thirty two. I South think Carolina. I made twenty seven my first year when I was teaching in. Uh, I mean, you're looking that. at. I remember being a first year teacher in South Carolina and like how looking at the teacher pay like spun. Spun is that the correct word? Sure, spun span. spanning spanning Same. from <laughs> bachelor's degree to doctorate, and I was like, I've got to get my doctorate. I was but like, even with a doctorate, but that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> even with a doctorate, it was like fifty thousand, and I was like. I'm going to literally have to go to school for, like, the next 10 years. That's why we've always had other jobs. Yeah. And when people ask Hope and I, how, do you, how do you do what you do? Well, we've always had to work our brains Wade out Wade had no three other what. jobs when we first started teaching. He worked yeah. at three different restaurants, after school hours, on the weekends. Same for me. I was constantly coaching, and I was um, working right. at all different types of locations, doing mm-hmm. babysitting, whatever it took. And so talk about not only trying to survive a pandemic, but also recognizing that your pay was enough to begin with, and then all of those side hustles or side jobs, right? With the and some of them may not even be there anymore because of the pandemic. Right. That part. Right. And you know what's funny? One of my most shared uh, memes that I've ever made was uh, one that said, uh, almost every teacher has a side hustle. That's why we're hard workers, because we know what it takes. Right. Guys. I mean, oh, my gosh. That's what we do. Seriously. I mean, all You want me to chop barbecue? I can do that. You want me to go do landscaping? I can do that. You want me and to. And irrigation. And it, landscape irrigation, that That's is. Right. Okay, talk he, your talk. He talks about <laughs> it a lot. Okay. He's like, he walks by you guys and like, I can do that. Want I me to fry do. chicken? I can do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you, look, man, if you if you ever been poor before. Yeah, buddy. You are the side hustle uh, magician guru. and guru, man. <laughs> I'm telling out. you. you go, Figure it out. Yes. I'm not paying somebody to do that. I know how to do yes. that. Next thing you know, it becomes a gig. So, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> It does. It's true. It does. And I mean, the, the, the side hustle thing is real. I think there there are some educators right now who this pandemic became the opportunity to really amplify their own personal businesses and Absolutely. things like that. And that, that resonates for me as being very true. Yeah. You know, through the pandemic, I've been able to move up some tax brackets and do some different things, which kind of goes back to our other conversation, like with just policies and stuff like that. Like, you know, all these things have, have an effect on you, and but you still got to be mindful of the village that you're a part of. Yeah. And, you know? and, and what your purpose is. Uh, one of our episodes 
does recently was serving, doing what we do and, and having these other outlets like you're talking about, you're able to serve your kids, your community, mm-hmm. the people, the adults that surround right. you, that believe in what you're trying to do for education and just the, the, the nation in general can buy into it and, and you're able to serve better because you're looking at the the, the fruit that's, that's coming from that. Or, or to even be able to be honest about what I don't agree with and be able to stand on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I dropped a post uh, today, right before I got here, you know, where I was talking about two of my students testing, you know, COVID positive mm-hmm. yeah. and still attending class mm-hmm. at that, yeah. right? Wow, ill. I mean, this child talked about walking down the stairs in her house, having to lay down at the bottom of the stairs because she couldn't keep her breath mm. and her head was hurting, but she still logs into class. Why does she log into class? What she said was, and, and man, you might make me share this too, because she said, I'm in my 12th grade year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the first one to graduate yep. in my family. Wow. I have a responsibility to my family to finish school. And so that child is willing to... to push through it all uh, in order to to make the family proud. Mm. Now, for the teachers out there who are being rigid about deadlines, the teachers that are giving kids a hard time right now, let that be let that be that that light bulb for you. Right. That you need to loosen up because you don't know what these kids are going through. I was gonna say, you know, mm. as we're talking about this and, mm. you know, just first of all, I mean, the fact that receiving the education seeing different perspectives, hearing stories, learning more, understanding more. You know, a lot of people say, a lot of teachers, again, white teachers specifically, will say, well, what what is my one little self, my one, you know, little voice going to do about this? And it's not even so much, yeah, yes, it's about speaking out. And mm-hmm. yes, we can get back to talking about the post and how people should, be, should engage in the conversation. And, and it, you know, there's never the right time to talk about race, right? Mm-hmm. And really always is the right time to talk right, about correct. race. But when you think about this, first of all, before you even engage in the conversation, what are you doing with the knowledge? And, you know, the knowledge that you are giving and recognizing that as an educator, I've got to stop and take a step back and say, yeah, I, I want my students to excel. I want my students to progress. Their progression, their their success is important to me. But again, it goes back to understanding every single child, what they're dealing with, what what struggles they're having to overcome. And that it does not mean that a one-size-fits-all policy is going to work for every child. Because then you get into the whole concept of, well, that's what, how is that fair to the other kids? Mm-hmm. Well, what is fair? Mm, what is fair? Fair should not be equal. That fair does not mean equal, right? right? Yeah. And so then we get into the, I, the concept and the conversation of equality mm-hmm. and equity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so understanding as a teacher before you even use your voice to use your knowledge yeah. and act in that classroom, exactly what you just put out there, that, that charge to really think about those things could be the difference in making or breaking a student's life yeah, I think when you're thinking about during, this yeah. child so, specifically oh, wow. right yeah especially during this time i have days where i don't teach any content with my students we mm-hmm. literally just talk mm-hmm. we just talk i play old school music 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Stuff you that play feels music? good. What? Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, we play, we're, we're playing old school jams and talking about, you know, yo, give me a song, an old school song that, that just makes you feel good. Yeah. Give me something that your mom plays on Sunday when you're cleaning the house, yeah. right? And then we just we just get the dialoguing. And the students always say to me, like, yo, Mr. Bros, that's why we love you so much. Yeah. Because you just allow us to, like, talk. Yeah. You just allow us to share. A lot of these kids right now, especially on the virtual side, are isolated. Mm-hmm. They don't have the regular, everyday interaction with students, even those who are in person in the building, it ain't the same school. No, you know, it's not, you know, not being in the classroom with a mask on all day, like that don't, that sounds like no fun to me. I mean, it's the per, the, the, one of the first pieces of advice that I think we all would give because I've heard everyone say it so far is just sit and listen. And what do I mean by sit and listen? I mean, do exactly what Shivy and Hope just said is we, we, we've got to sit before we start teaching and we have got to understand what your kids are going through at that moment. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, yeah, you're going to have mandates from administration. You're going to have this parent telling you you need to do this. But at the end of the day, you're going to be serving those kids. What are those kids going through at home? Has anything sparked on social media like it did this summer? Is it continuing to do that? Is this pandemic ramping up? Mm-hmm. Are, do they have internet at home? Do you have, like, what what is going on? And I think we what all need to- What is their story? Yeah, what is their story? We have gotten, first piece of advice is you just gotta sit in it, maybe even five minutes at the most, and mm-hmm. just reflect on, okay, what does this week look like? What's going on in the world right now? How are my kids impacted? And that's when you can decide, hey, Monday, we're just going to chat it up. Yeah. We're going to chop it up. Well, if you can't if you can't go through and individually tell, tell the story of every single child in your classroom, why are you even trying to teach anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you don't even know that what you're teaching is going to impact them or that they're even going to be able to retain the information or, not, or they're even in a place to, to even grasp what you have to give them. And so if you can't even tell every single child's story in your classroom, then you're starting in the wrong place, first and foremost. And, you know, you mis- mentioned administration is something that I've even asked you about before. We've talked about it. What about administration pushback? What about administration mandates? In life, in life, there are choices to be made. And teachers are not exempt of making difficult choices. And so there comes a point in time when I have to say, as a teacher, am I seeking my administration's approval or am I focused on the impact of my students in my classroom every single day? We have to make choices. That's a real one. Right now, my school, even though, listen, we got 11% positivity rates in my district. We have 100% capacity of usage of our ICU beds right now. Mm -hmm. And we are 100% virtual, yet we are being mandated to come back in the building Mm -hmm. to conduct GMAS tests, our standardized tests here in Georgia, right? Today was a day that I was supposed to be doing a training at 1215 to proctor the test. I did not attend. Mm. In fact, I sent an email school-wide and said, (laughs) under no circumstances, Am I coming back into the building? Mm-hmm. Nobody responded. What? And so that's a that's a chance that I'm taking. Right. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a chance that I'm taking. And there's some people out there who will say, oh, well, Shiva, you got uh, all these entrepreneurial endeavors and things like that. You're good. You got the, the privilege of that. Yes, that's true. But also, when I was teaching uh, at another school district and there was a a national walkout against gun violence Mm -hmm. and we took a stand on that, but the district I worked in said we would write up any student that walked out and and whatnot, Mm -hmm. I still 
told my students to do it. Yeah. And I still put in my resignation letter on that day. And I had no other things going on. I had, I, I was risking it all. And so I'm saying all of that to say, you're going to get the same energy from me at all times. And I think that all teachers should live up to that. It's an integrity thing. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, listen, Betsy DeVos is doing what she's doing that that has affected uh, uh, statewide uh, departments of education from being able to get waivers on testing. And she, right. she, she turned them all down. Mm -hmm. Talking about you have to understand where kids come from. That's someone who doesn't understand where teachers, period, she ever She don't understand come from. nothing about education. Nothing. I would bet to say there would be very, very, very limited numbers of educators who would disagree. I don't know who With would. the fact that we are all thrilled. Yeah. That she is out of that she's going to be out of office, right? But we still got to deal with her bad policies from now until January. 20th. Yes, That's yes. True. But let me make this point about this, right? Why is it that all educators are happy to see her go? Because she doesn't understand where we're coming from. Mm. How many students Ooh. are sitting in our classrooms? Bars. Not connecting to us as teachers because they know that I don't understand where they are coming from. Or even taking the time or to try. listen. Come on. Right. Or try. See, we're yes. all there together. Or or try. We, are, we are all there together. But, I mean, that's what happens when, I don't know, your brother owns Blackwater, which is one of the number one military <laughs> contractors in the world. You know what I'm saying? You, you get a you get a position. You, you get yeah. a position yeah. you don't necessarily deserve. Right. But I think that also translate, translates into what we started this conversation about in the first place is why do white folks don't continue the conversation like with your experiment, well, it's because that we're, we're not in, in depth to, to trying to understand or to continue to try to mm. understand. But mm. also, what are we willing to risk? Mm, that's, that. one, that's one of the biggest things that we talked about at Be About It. Yeah. What are we really willing to risk? What are we really willing to sacrifice? And, you know, that, that's a hard conversation, essential conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's because nobody ever wants to admit, oh, no, I'm, I'm willing to risk it, but are you? But are you? And most folks are not. When I put up a post today basically saying that, yo, teachers all need to not log in, not go into schools until we get certain things that we need, whether it be teacher pay, whether it be safety in our schools, whether it be a prioritization of our students and our families and our health, right? Like, what are we willing to do? See, if we all actually stood together, we'd get everything mm -hmm. because what is America going to do without teachers? Right. Te the majority of teachers aren't times. registered to vote. Like they're not, no one's going to listen to us if we don't register to vote, everybody. We, we've got to register to vote. Come Have on. to. It, it's, it is, it, it goes to what we're willing to risk. And when I put out that call, I put out that video, I sent it to uh, a good friend of my attorney, uh, Griggs, out here. And uh, he said, bro, are you willing to get fired? Mm-hmm. I said, because my question was, should I post this? He said, are you willing to get fired? I can see him saying that. He's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, why not? Because guess what? If 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 we consider ourselves people of faith, mm -hmm. we consider ourselves children of God, when does God ever let you go without? Right. And if he does, that's what he expected out of you in the first place. Come you know? on now. I mean, if he's able, he's able. That doesn't mean he's going to do what you want him to do. Come on now. He's just able. So living by faith doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want every time 100%. but it's still faith yeah but so, you better get comfy in that lines then yeah. hey 
So, you know, going back to the initial conversation that we had that mm. kind of started all of this with just, you know, when is the right time to have these conversations? And the answer is always. Always. And, you know, it's always time to engage whether what you say is right, wrong, you know, you've got to start engaging in the conversation. And I'm talking to myself, too, because I know on social media I'm very hesitant to engage in the community conversation just because, I, again, I don't want to come off as performative. I don't want to come off as somebody who's trying to know it all. But then I don't, you know, want to show my lack of knowledge, too, because then every, what, I thought she does this work. I thought she is learning. I thought, why would she say something, you know, like that if she has, has done this work in the past? And so, but again, what are you willing to risk to learn, to grow, to serve and try to understand and try to identify with every single child in your classroom. You know, that's that's our calling. I think the big thing is, is is really for, you know, for our white friends and allies to be engaged in the conversation and not be afraid to get it wrong. Mm -hmm. But also which is hard. Yeah, but it's also hard. not tone police when you engage. Mm -hmm. Cuz that that honestly is like the what big What do you mean by on. tone? Cuz I and I hope you don't hate me asking no. that, but I bet there's a lot of people out there listening on what does tone policing actually mean? Mm -hmm. Tell, telling black folk uh, what's appropriate uh, to joke about or not joke about, mm -hmm. how we deal with our pain, how we talk about things that affect us, you know, uh, trying to trying to check something that uh, for us might be witty or for us might be culturally nuanced. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily fit in your mold as to how people should talk. Uh, culturally, we have nuances. We right. have differences. So it's trying to uh, center white norms mm -hmm through uh, uh on black dialogue you gotcha. know what i'm saying like that's that's where it's not cool yeah. right but engaging in the conversation or talking about certain things is is more than welcome now my call in for the black community is we can't poo poo or shun or uh shut down white folks when they do try to engage right mm -hmm. so like that's the that's kind of the other part it's like you can't want people to do better and be a part of the conversation and do the work but also dictate when they can. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we, it, it's, it almost goes into like that cancel culture. It's like real quick. When somebody yeah. say something you don't like, you're ready to cancel. Right. Yeah. And we always say don't cancel counsel. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's understanding that we have to create safe spaces to have these, these type of dialogue. Listen, white folk, maybe you don't want to go up under everybody's post or whatnot, but if you come onto my platform and you come into my space, mm -hmm. it's, it is always welcomed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I welcome it. I, I hope for it. I want for my platform to be a place where you can get your practice in. We can dialogue. We can we can yeah. work together, give each other feedback. It's just like with a student. We don't expect them to do things perfect. Right. And I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that not only from you, but from your community as well. Um, I've seen people come in and they think a certain way, but it's because you and your community, un you listen and you understand and you try to learn where these people may be coming from and how they were raised. Like that's that's a real thing. But he's not gonna make excuses for you. Let no, he <laughs> and, and you shouldn't. It's, it's, it's kind of like yeah. when, when when a kid does something wrong and they apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. King. I'm not gonna say, oh, that was okay. Right. Uh, no, I'm gonna say thank you for your apology. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. But then I I correct them. Yeah. Or I have a conversation with them. And yeah. that's exactly what's happening now. I got a good friend in New York, uh, an educator, I'm not going to name her, who's a white educator uh, from the Bronx. She knows who, who she is now that I say the city. Um, <laughs> that constantly goes under black educators' posts and is really like a contrarian. Now, if you're coming in and you're basically being a contrarian all the time, that's not going to be welcomed by folk. True. Right? It's True. just like people eventually are going to be like, I don't want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I'm a little different. I'm a lot more forgiving and a lot more uh, lenient than a lot of other black folks are. So like even that person, you know, just tagged me on some stuff yesterday talking about thank you for doing this and thank you for doing that. And and I, you know, it's almost like I wiped the slate clean and you're, you're still welcome home. So but everybody doesn't feel that way. So like, you know, not coming in, trying to check folks and be a contrarian, tone police and that kind of thing. You know, if you make that your norm, nah, people not going to want you around. But again, no, we do. Not. I think everybody has a little allowance for everybody not getting it right all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, Shibi, thank you so much. Once again, yes, this will be a continued you, conversation if you join us here on this podcast, on this platform. Because again, we just, Wade and I believe in doing this work. And for so long, we did it internally. And we have made a commitment to mm -hmm. do this work out loud. And so we're so grateful to you that you continue to have these conversations with us to allow us to learn and to allow this audience to learn as well. well one thing I want to say before before we do go is this, though. Mine, we, we were talking about when it is appropriate to speak about race, but that conversation dovetailed into so many other yeah. common topics yeah. that did not talk about race. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of folks got to realize mm -hmm. that, you know, when we once we kind of deal with that hard part, there are so many common things right. that we deal that's with right. that we have common ground on exactly. um, that we can get to when we stop being afraid to engage with each other. Just got to engage and talk. That's powerful right there. So we encourage you to to be involved and to engage in the conversation. Listen, the best things in life, the things that make us the best people and cause growth are the hardest things to do. So we're not saying these conversations are going to be easy, but they're critical. Yes. They're critical for the students that we educate, the students that we serve every single day, the educators in our schools and in our communities, our parents that we deal with as well. You know, Wade and I share all the time that we've learned more since we've become parents than probably in all of my careers my being whole time being an educator. Yep. So just being open-minded, listening, yes. hearing, seeking to learn, I think is where we start. And then, you know, investing yourself in a conversation. Yeah. So you just got to invest and you, you, you got to gotta be brave and you're going to mess up and that's okay too. Just want to thank Shivy one more time yes. for joining us like yes. always. You can find him at Call Me Shivy. Yep. Yes. And he also has Teacher Talk Live now as yeah. an Instagram platform, but he does lives still three times a week yeah. that you can catch. And, yes. you know, if you want to, again, if you're looking for a community to That's learn it. from, that is the one to go to. So we will see you guys next week here on the new EDU. Until next time, keep being amazing and keep doing the amazing work that you do. In case nobody told you today, That's right. you are awesome. Bye, everybody. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.